Welcome to Shining Bright. This week I've got we got a mini farm herd here. Erin is here with me in the studio. Hi everyone. Yes. Thank you for being here, Erin. Uh, we are talking about a topic that is near and dear to all of us at Farm Her, and that is uh, our our own and the mental health of others, and something that we're trying to talk about as much as we can this year. And uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so what a great month to be talking about this. Yeah. And to kick off this episode, we're going to be, um, later on, we're going to be talking to Sarah Cohen, who is a, a therapist, and um, she's going to be talking about some of the things that we all can do to help ourselves and maybe uh, give us some insight on how to how to look at others around us and the the things that we can um, do to better our world. Um, but in in preparation for that, um, Aaron, you shared these statistics with me, and I mm-hmm. think it's so eye opening. Um, approximately one in five adults in the U.S.—that's forty six point six million. People. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Experiences mental health illnesses in a given year. Um, and, you know, we talked about this earlier. That's only what is reported. Right. right? Like that's not the people who who maybe are hidden away from this number in some way, shape or form. And um, approximately one in 25 adults experiences a serious mental illness in a given year that substantially interferes with or limits one or more major life activities. So those things that take you down, those, right. those stories that we when hear. You can't function. And, right. Yep, yep. Right. And um, this one really jumped out at me too. Approximately one in five youth experiences a severe mental disorder at some point in their life. So we're not just talking, um, you know, a, an anxiety issue or um, something. Uh, we're talking something, something very severe. And that's mm-hmm. one in five kids. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that... Uh, statistic was, you know, 20 years right? ago. Yeah, me too. I would yeah. be interested to see. That's yeah. probably worth a digging it, just out of curiosity because of the world we live in and yeah. technology we have access to and yeah, and all those things. They're immersed in a world that they don't know any different. But when I look at I feel I feel bad for them, you know, like they, right. I know that I need to shut it off, but they don't even know that. Right. Because they don't know any different. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And, you know, talking about why this issue is near and dear to us, I mean, I think it's something that we've talked about in our office many times, and I've I've tried to be somewhat open about, you know, every day isn't great here, right? Right. I mean, there there are days where I'm like, you know what, I don't really think I can hardly make it out of bed today, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to, and and then I do, and, um, you know, I've got some things in my, in my, uh, in my like self-care repertoire that I know that I need to do. Like for me, right. that's running, right? Yep. And yes. if I can get it, even if I don't want to, and I, I would rather stab somebody than like run. Right. <laughs> Still really important that you yeah. run. Yeah. I, I know that my day is going to get better and yeah. I can probably get up and get out of bed. But yep. um, this, none of us are immune to, no. to uh, I, I shouldn't even say immune to it. Like, no, it's just like health an, it's is a, no different than everybody like, has it. Then everybody like has taking it. care of your body. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And again, I, it's near and dear to my heart because it's something that I have had to face in my past because there are days that I wasn't able to get out of bed. Um, and so I, I mean, to me, for me, it's just the awareness. And so the next person doesn't feel, um, like they're a failure or they're weak and they want to seek help. Like it's okay. Like it's okay it to feel that to way. Do it. And there, yeah. and there are always, I say a lot to my friends and stuff like there is always sunshine under the clouds mm-hmm. and, and it's okay to sit under those clouds and you'll find your way. But it is so important to have um, a support system and, and seek help when you need to. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. 
and we're going to we're going to jump into this more in this episode that you know some of those resources that you naturally think of when when you think of I need help may not be accessible to all of us. Absolutely. Whether it's money, whether it's um you know physical location or w- whatever that is. Um and so we'll we'll talk more about some of the things that we can do b- before there's a crisis moment, right? right? Before we're in that uh, severe mental illness category. And sometimes you can't help that. Like this is, Absolutely. you know, each and every person is different and mm-hmm. your circumstances are different and your life is different. And, yep. um, but, but I think it mm-hmm. is important. I mean, I know, I know for myself, like if yeah. I pay attention to some of those things, yep. um, and as, as we're going to hear, Sarah's going to talk about a tool belt and right. I love that. I love that. So, um, With that, everybody, I want to remind you that over at farmher.com, we have got all kinds of farmher goodness for you. Welcome back. So we are here in the studio today. And as you heard in the farm herd, we are talking about mental and emotional health. And it's something that has been um, high on our list here at farmher to talk about all year this year. And so in, uh, I guess, honor of and celebration of Mental Health Month here in May, we have a guest here in the studio, Sarah Cohen. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yes, yes. So um, let's have you tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Sarah Cohen. I am actually a practicing clinical therapist uh, in West Des Moines, Clive area. Um really uh, specialize in treating trauma, grief, stress, um, and all the transitions that happen in everybody's lives. I am a mother of three boys. <laughs> my connection that sounds traumatic and stressful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it so. gives me lots of opportunity to practice my good skills. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I grew up uh, with an aunt and uncle who farmed. And so um, this issue is definitely near and dear to my heart and something I'm pretty familiar with. Um, I re- really did watch their family go through uh, the farm crisis of the 80s. And so while I didn't know then what I know now, um, it definitely has had an impact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, farming is never an easy thing, right? Like you're always at the mercy of the elements, the markets, mm-hmm. all these things outside of your control. And and as a business owner, you know, these, these always happen. But I mean, farming just adds this whole other. And then there's like this emotional uh, attachment to the land and, and, uh, the need to do right by your family and, and all like, I don't know, 10,000 other things that go with it. So, um, we're excited to have you here today to talk about this. So, um, you know, we, we want to elevate the mental health discussion as it relates to agriculture. And, um, for many of the reasons I just mentioned, it seems like a trickier discussion. So why do you think it could be a tougher discussion for people in rural areas? Like why, why is this more of a prevalent thing maybe in rural areas or in the farming community? I think there are a couple components. I think that um, number one, we know that we have uh, access to care issues for sure around mental health and behavioral health in rural areas across the country. Um, so access to care is definitely an inhibitor of reaching out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reasons that you mentioned before around um, pride and love of the land and doing this for generations can also create a stigma around reaching out for help, um, especially in communities where there are a lot of farmers. Um, Generationally, we tend to pass that down. We also know that um, kind of these, the young people coming up are much less stigmatized around talking about 
mental health issues where um, those who generationally haven't don't necessarily warm up to the idea very easily either. Yeah, it's it's just so tough. Like I myself even struggle to talk about it. You know, I try to like open up a little bit and then I'm like, oh, oh, I don't want people to think I'm weak. I don't want people to think I can't handle something. But, you know, like some days I can't. <laughs> and that's the reality, you know. So I know we've talked about this a lot uh, in, in our office, Erin, and just in general, right? Like it's, right. it's this tough thing. And, and you're from a rural community. Yep. Uh, any thoughts about um, what, what you've seen is why this might be a tougher discussion in rural or agriculture communities? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, I grew up on a farm too. And um, there's a lot, it's it's busy. Everything's busy. I think slowing down and sometimes realizing the undertones that might be there that are related to mental health or it's just, everybody's just trying to get things done. And so there's no time. And, and so things just go by really fast. I think that's part of it too. And I think stigma is a huge part of it, a huge part of it. Um, and, and just in my own experiences, I, I can tell you that I think, you know, a lot of people think it's a sign of weakness, right? Oh, I, I need yeah. to go to a therapist. I need mental health help. <laughs> I need help. Right. Um, but as I watch the people I know who have gotten help or it's one of the toughest things you can do. So the strength is in saying, I need, a I need help. help. Yeah. I need help at any level, high or low, major or minor if there's something going on, the strength isn't actually saying and doing it because it's scary. It is super scary. So talking about that stigma just a little bit more, um, it's interesting because if, if you were to say, you know, I need help and I go to a therapist, I wouldn't look down on you. Right. But if I were to say I need some help and I need to go to a therapist, I would be so like, I'm, I'm more concerned about how people view me, Mm -hmm. but I know that I wouldn't judge you for that. Right. So it's, such a weird thing. I, mm-hmm. I I don't even know how to like balance that, you know? Perception is reality, yeah. right? We're oftentimes a lot more compassionate and give a lot more grace to others yes. than we tend to give to ourselves. Yes. Um, so that can be uh, a difficult piece to maneuver as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really good at that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Giving yeah. grace to everybody else. I have gold medals lined on the wall behind <laughs> me for that. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, it, it's part of the thing I think women tend to tend to do even more of that. Maybe that's just my own um, assumption, but yeah, so it's, it's trickier conversation in rural areas, lack of access to resources. You know, you've got that small town syndrome and that pride that comes into play. Um, so, uh, we've got some really big stressors going on right now in the egg community. And, uh, through last year, it be, became a bigger topic to talk about mental health in the ag community. Um, we started seeing like this hashtag start called do more ag started popping up. And I was like, what is that? And it's, you know, this group that's trying to elevate the conversation. And, and I, I do agree that it helps that stigma. Like you said, perception is reality. So if, if we can see more of these conversations going on, it just gets easier to talk about, I think. But um, currently, you know, we've got, we've got like just a massive amount of stress. Like if you thought it was bad last year, it's it's notched up many more times this year. So um, any thoughts about, you know, like that in incremental, like how, uh, we're, we're going from like already bad to even worse, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even know what to say about it, but you know, other than it's real. It absolutely is real. And I would say from a clinical perspective, what I see um, for sure is an increased fear, mm-hmm. general fear in people. Um, not just 
related to those who work in agriculture, but across the board, that sense of scarcity and fear is a very real piece of, I think, our mental health crisis right now. I think that we um, are living in a time where uh, our insecurity Mm -hmm. tends to peak. um, And we're trying to do that in a silo. So we're trying to do that in a culture that really praises um, individuality over connection. And so losing that piece of community overall um, across the board, I don't think is definitely impacting mental health. Um, And as we all know, in our own lives, when we start to kind of go down that, that path of negative beliefs or that path of fears that it kind of snowballs into a kind of sort of a monster that we can't control sometimes. Right. And so it gets really difficult to um, kind of move towards hope and um, gratitude when we're really consumed by a lot of bad news. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, especially, I mean, I, I love social media and I hate it, but you know, I, I feel, I, I feel like this perpetuates that fear, right? Cause all you see is everybody else seemingly winning at everything. Right. right. And yeah. I mean, I do it too. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. And then I'm like, I did so much that I'm already like underground. So you know what <laughs> I mean? Like it, it's this, it, it's, it's a tough thing. And I, I, I can see that, that, that fear piece mm-hmm. is, is a much bigger part of our society now. Absolutely. Sadly. And the research backs that up yeah. that we are knowing that, um, there's an increase in anxiety and depression across the board in all ages related directly to social media. Yeah. And we don't want to dog on social media. There are a lot of great things no, about we it as well. without it, <laughs> yes. honestly. So. so there are a lot of great things about it. Um, but for all the reasons that you just stated, it can make us feel a lot of absence in our own lives. And as much as we're connected now, we're, we're much less connected. Oh, yeah, 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 as well. for sure. Don't forget to check out farmher.com for all the events, merchandise, blogs, TV show, all the other fun things we've got going on. Stick with us. We'll be right back. We are back here with Aaron and Sarah Cohen, and we were talking in in the last segment about um, some of the issues that exist in rural America, and um, one of those things being lack of access, right? And it's an interesting thing. I I, um, am in a class right now, and there's um, 38 different business owners in this class from all over our state, and there's no one business like anybody else. Well, there, there are a few in there that are, you know probably considered competitors, but there's no one like us. And I got seated at a table with a lady who is a practicing therapist in a small community um, here in Iowa. And she goes into a doctor's office and she provides her services to to a few different general practitioners uh, who need that service for their their customers. But um, she's changing her business model a little bit. So she's not going to be offering that anymore. And so I asked, you know, so what, what is their plan? And she said, there's nobody else. Like they don't have anyone to fill that space. So they're not, the, the doctor's going to take that space, um, and, you know, and, and provide the medication or whatever, but there's, there's nobody. And I was like, what do you mean? There's nobody, you know? And, and so that's my one little piece of, it's a very real thing that sometimes there is nobody close. Mm-hmm. And, um, so in those situations, what are some of the things, um, it, it, and we can talk more about that lack of access, you know, I mean, maybe there's other ways that people could access help, um, would be one thing to talk about, but if you can't access help, what are some ways if, if you're just feeling that stress and that anxiety rise, you know, that you could kind of lower it for yourself before it gets to the breaking point? Absolutely. Well, we always want to think preventatively. 
uh, across the board with our health. Um, life doesn't always cooperate with that. Right. And so it is always good to have a tool belt. I sort of call it our tool belt. And yeah, not my, just a tool, <laughs> a whole belt. Full a whole of belt. Yeah. Um, because what works one time might not work the next. Uh, so it would be wonderful if everyone had access to care. But that is um, a very idealist view at this point. So like you said, being realistic about what are the things we can do when we don't have access um, or resources to provide us with a professional. And so I guess uh, at the beginning, I would just offer some resources out to your listeners mm -hmm. around things that I do. And I, I think the great news about the way that we can stay connected is there are a lot of resources around mental health online. We actually know more about how the brain and the body process stress and grief and frustration and anger and happiness and, and all of those things um, more than we ever have in our history. So there's a lot of reason, number one, to be hopeful. Yay. Yes. <laughs> um, I like this. And so what we're always looking for are coping strategies. And so ideally, we don't want to start those when a crisis hits. We want to be practicing those in our daily lives. So for um, a lot of my clients, that looks like learning how to do some really great breathing um, techniques those of us who have do, done like that, I'm a mother of three boys, remember? So I do like the you, deep <laughs> cleansing breath, inhale, exhale a lot in my day. But really, we do know that taking a deep cleansing breath is the most effective way to create what we call a state change in our lives. Okay. So if we're feeling really anxious or really out of control, taking a deep, long inhale through the nose, I'll ask you both to do that with me. Okay. And then a long, slow exhale out of your mouth. And if everybody just takes a moment to do that, you'll notice immediately mm -hmm. how your body just sort of relaxes into that. And so if I could leave one tool with everyone today, it would be to breathe more. Mm -hmm. yeah. We do not breathe well in no. this country. We're super high breathers because we're under a lot of stress and pressure. We start to like, yeah, kind right. of hyperventilate, breathe a lot. <laughs> right. And what our brain needs um, to really stabilize our emotions is a deep mm -hmm. cleansing breath. Yeah. And that breath is no joke. So having a therapist has always been a part of my personal wellness plan. Your tool belt. It is. <laughs> it is part of my tool belt. Yep. And I had a therapist when I was in the Quad Cities who literally said, oh my gosh, you need to lay down on the ground. You don't even know how to breathe. <laughs> you can't, we can't even move forward Until because you, know. you don't know how to breathe. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't think what? I know how to breathe either. Actually. No. Tell me what, tell me what well, they did to he, he, he put a pillow on my stomach mm -hmm. and it took probably 10 minutes, not kidding you, mm -hmm. for me to even understand how it was supposed to work. Mm -hmm. right. And so you breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. But when you breathe in, you expand your stomach. When you breathe out, you push it out with your stomach. Like expand side to side? Mm -hmm. Pull, push it out. Like, yeah, yeah sorry. Push I was your gut right you out, right? Yeah. yeah. Am I right, Sarah? Have I got it right? Yep. It's sort of like if you're a singer... You're going to yes. breathe from your diaphragm. Yeah. So your diaphragm yes. should raise uh -huh. and then collapse. Yep. Yes. So out and then in. Right. Yeah. The singers know how to do it. The singers mm -hmm. know how to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yoga. The yes. yogis yeah. know how to do it too. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It makes a huge difference. It does. And the reason that it does is that it releases a lot of good chemicals in our brain that soothe us. And so there is a lot of science behind why the deep cleansing breath works. It also helps us get really centered in our thoughts so that a racing mind or a very distracted mind or a very overwhelmed mind can get centered again. I like that. Right. And you can do that anywhere. It's free. It's and you free. don't even have to tell anybody that right. you're stressed out, right? right. Nobody right. has Just to know. Right. 
take a step. So um, one of the things in, in this class that I'm taking, they talk about like a, a dashboard and, and probably like your tool belt, right? Like what are the things you need? And part of that is personal things. And one mm. of the things I put on there is to actually pay attention. I wear a watch that tells me to breathe. breathe. Awesome. And what like 99% of the time I hit dismiss because I'm like, I don't have the time. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. So one of the things on there we is... We don't need to shame ourselves. No, no. Right? no. It's, it's not. But one of the things that I, I know I can easily do to decrease my stress is to actually listen to that, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that's a super easy thing and it takes mm-hmm. one minute. Yeah. Even less. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you can just breathe even once. Less. We but can take like one it, deep cleansing breath yeah. to recenter ourselves. Even that one that you just had us do, I did feel like my shoulders go down uh-huh. just a little bit uh-huh. and I feel like I can pay better attention to what I'm saying. Right. So I think you're... I know. Obviously, the science (laughs) knows that you are right. It's not just like my opinion. And just like anything else in our lives, it's a habit. And so we have to practice a habit. So it might not come, you know, like tomorrow I might stop not be breathing every hour on the hour. I might dismiss it on my watch 50% of the time. But if we're intentional about the practice, then it grows into a habit. Right. So I'm lucky I get to do that all day long. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still have to be intentional about doing it all night long. Mm -hmm. Right when I get into my family and kind of out of that mode. Right. And so it, like anything else, it's just a practice that we can develop. You want to know what I think when it tells me to breathe? I do. I think that they're like, oh my gosh, your heart rate is through the I, roof. I've you need that. to breathe. Like, I don't I mean, think it, it like follows everything in your body, right? Well, so. yeah. And so I'm, I don't actually know if it's connected or not. Sometimes it does it and I'm just totally chill. Yeah. But. It does seem to happen though at times, like I said, where I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have the time to breathe. <laughs> like, Right. Right. Like, oh, oh, uh oh. Yeah. Right. I like to um, remind myself and others that we cannot give what we do not have. True. And so sometimes in our culture, we think about self-care as I need to book an hour massage or I need to go um, take a day off and sit by the lake. Um, (laughs) But oftentimes for most of us in our real lives, good self-care is moments of decisions to choose ourselves. And so when we can really be intentional about practicing our self-care in a way that is a, happens throughout our day mm-hmm. over and over and over again with that assumption that I cannot give to the, all of the people that I care about and want to give to if I don't have it, mm-hmm. um, then that self-care feels a lot less, and I'm doing air quotes, a lot less selfish. Right. In the end. Yeah. I love that. The, the, the moments piece. I mean, Mm -hmm. because that is true. Yes. I would love to go lay on a beach every day and (laughs) and bring my stress level way down. But the reality is that that's That's not going to happen. My reality. Right. right? And, uh, I spend most of my time so cranked up that even when I get to the beach, I'm like, I can't do. She said to breathe. Yes. 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 Okay, everybody, we have more to talk about regarding our own mental health. We'll be right back. I hope you all practiced your breathing on that um, commercial break right there, because what a great time to do that. But we are back here now, and we spent um, a lot of time talking about the the breathing and that piece of the tool belt. And um, I'm wondering what are maybe some of those other things, because I, I think that lack of access is going to be a really big thing. So, so what are some other things that we can change in those moments in our day? Absolutely. So I'll send you with some of my favorites. Um, this is going to get a little scientific for a second. Okay. Um, but the research shows that anytime that we can bilaterally stimulate our brain, 
which is a movement right and left. So it's kind of like if you're rocking a baby and you would rock left and right and left and right. Anytime we can bilaterally stimulate our brain, it soothes us. Is that why I rock myself sometimes? Like Absolutely. I, I thought that I picked that up when I had kids. And I don't know now if I, uh, all my memories blurry, but yes. if I did that before, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I do find myself sometimes just like humans do rock to self-soothe. Mm-hmm. We probably didn't call it that, yeah. but we absolutely do. So anytime that we can kind of get our right brain and our left brain working together, that's kind of our thinking brain and our feeling brain. Um, it's a really great thing to do because sometimes when we're overwhelmed or anxious, um, that feeling brain kind of takes over. And our great adult thinking mind kind of gets left behind. Right. And so anytime that we can intentionally do that, connect those parts of our brain, it's going to help calm us down and soothe us. So some simple ways to do that. Um, And you've probably, if you've ever gone out on a walk when you're super stressed or mad and then came home and like felt like you had a million epiphanies and you feel Mm -hmm. so much better, Mm -hmm. it's often because, well, two reasons. One is walking bilaterally stimulates our brain. And of course, being outside Mm -hmm. is one of um, the most therapeutic things that we can do for ourselves. So nature is um, absolutely an impact. Sunshine, all the all the things in the all the things. Even Iowa winters when it's freezing cold, bundle up and getting outside and getting that fresh air and um, being a part of our environment is a really therapeutic thing to do. So those would be on the top of my list. So and if you can't walk. Another great thing to do to bilaterally stimulate your brain to help you soothe is tapping. And um, some of this you're not going to be able to see right. on a podcast, but you can absolutely Google the benefits of tapping. Yeah. Okay? There's a ton of research behind yes. how important it is to do bilateral taps. And mm-hmm. that is the same as rocking, except we're using our hands to tap on the right side of our body and then the left side of our body. Like actually tapping this, on your body mm-hmm. or yeah, like, like on the table. Oh, okay. This is like a favorite in our house. My kids do this. So I do this. doing kind of a hug. She's yeah, I'm hugging herself too. a hug like and arms across, arms across her chest. But and you can do it right here. Yep. So some different ways that I teach legs. it are to put your hands on your thighs mm-hmm. and just tap right, tap left, tap right, tap left, tap right. We're going to do it kind of fast, but not, you know, speedy, Crazy. speedy fast. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. We can give ourselves a hug and tap across our body, right, left, right, left. Um, We can tap our feet on the floor. So if you're in Mm -hmm. a meeting um, and you're feeling anxious or a little overwhelmed and you're kind of breathing, but you're also grounding your feet on the floor, tapping right, tapping left, um, are also strategies that you can use. I mentioned I have three boys, so Mm -hmm. um, two of them wrestle. And so one way that I don't look like a crazy stressed out mom at wrestling <laughs> tournaments is I'm rocking back and forth and I'm tapping on the outsides of my thighs while I'm standing yeah. and I'm breathing. Oh, yeah. And so, um, <laughs> good. I like that. Maybe I will. Like trifecta. A little, yeah. Trifecta. I need that. So and so our bodies need to move. Mm-hmm. And yes. especially when we're feeling anxious and overwhelmed, um, that is a, you know, mental health is not just a neck up issue. Right. Mm-hmm. Mental health is a holistic issue. And so anything that's going on, that involves um, our brain is absolutely impacting our central nervous system. So one of the things that I tell people when you're really stressed out or you're really overwhelmed or anxious, do something different, get up and move. Yeah. Um, If you can bilaterally stimulate even better, but just um, create movement in your body, it helps release a lot of that energy that can get kind of stuck in our bodies Mm -hmm. um, when we're trying to stuff it and get onto the next thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. I have been, under a rock somewhere and I've never actually heard that, but it makes complete sense. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I, 
Yeah. Yeah. And there are so many resources. Like I said, if you just Google tapping, yeah, um, you'll find a lot of great resources and books that can kind of guide you through great techniques that you can add to your tool belt too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I love this because these are something you can add into the moments when you feel yourself being stressed mm-hmm. and not when you're already at that breaking point. Right. Absolutely. I, I don't care what, who, who's listening. We all, every single person deals with stress and Absolutely. deals with anxiety and deals with mm-hmm. whatever is in our environment, you know, and having more tools is never going to harm anybody. No, 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 no. It's going to help everybody. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not just me, but like <laughs> right. the people who are in my space too. Right. right. When I'm Absolutely. like at my breaking point. Right. Yep. Right. Because if we can get ourselves back into that great adult thinking brain and out of the ah, freak out, right. um, we're going to be able to make a lot better decisions for ourselves mm-hmm. and the people around us. Yep. I have one other question uh, about something that I've wondered if I should put in my tool belt in the past. And so um, seasonal affective disorder, right? Like I have noticed, especially the older I get that like winter kind of feels like it takes me down. And, um, you know, when you talk about things that you can change versus things that you can't, like, I can't just move to Florida that, you know, next winter. Right. I, that's my husband's over. Yeah. Tony just turned and looked at me. Are you like, sure yeah, you can <laughs> Are you sure, you can Margie? record radio in Florida? <laughs> um, no, realistically, like we're not going to move to Florida. Right. So, or wherever there's sunnier days. Um, is there in talking about how the sun affects us, you know, there's these lights that you can get. Is that like a real thing? I mean, I've always wondered. It is a real thing. Um, there is research behind it, but I'm also a believer in if it works for you, then yeah, it works. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So the lights, um, other things like to help us cope during the winter and let's just all own it. It's brutal. It is. Um, I don't know anybody who gets the winter without a little bit of feeling that seasonal affective disorder in the blues. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, takes us back to sort of those connections and community and moving our bodies. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that have it right are um, some of our older community members that I tend to see like mall walking. Yes. Yeah. With a friend. With a friend. Chit-chatting. And, yeah. Exactly. So um, those are all social connections are a huge piece that mm-hmm. we can put in our tool belt. And that's a hard thing for rural community and farmers because they do often work solo. Right. And so one of the things that I think that we can do to be proactive is definitely continue to build our community relationships and connections because um, we are not alone. Mm-hmm. We are not wired to do life alone. Right. Mm-hmm. We live in a, in, a, in a society that kind of says we should be independent and do it alone. And I think it's a real disservice um, to believe that that's possible because we are wired for each other. Right. Yeah. Right. And there, there is comfort in that. Um, I had my own experience recently and I I have a very supportive family, um, a happy home life. Like work is great. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, whatever, it's wonderful, but you know, it doesn't come without its ups and downs in major ways. And, um, I'm going to talk about this class again. When, um, Aaron brought this class up to me actually. And I was like, I don't, I don't really know. Like, do I really need it? And I do have the time. And, um, I can tell you from day one of walking into this class of other small business owners, even though nobody's business is like mine, um, I felt instantly like I was in a community of people yep. that like I didn't feel alone anymore. And and I have Tony to talk about all the business things, but but somebody uh, outside of me that I realized how important having that community yes. of people in different areas of our life. 100% matters, right? Yes. Like not just, I can't just put it all on one part of my life, but having that community of other business owners, even if they're not the same types of business yeah. feels 
really great. Yes. I realized that like, I, this is not a problem that just I have. Absolutely. So yeah, that's my uh, newest aha moment. How many times can I talk about my class today? Uh, well, it's a big more. deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we've got another segment. Sarah is going to stick around with us because we've got a little more to talk about, about uh, our own mental health. So stick with us. And welcome back. So when we went to break, we were talking about that need for community and how very important that can be. Um, and, and we've got all these tool belt things that we've talked about, which I absolutely love. Um, but how do we know if someone out there is going, I already do all these things and I, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck, right? Like, how do we know when we might need to seek more help, whether that's um, something local or not local, if, if it's not available? Sure. Well, there's two, I think, uh, two prongs to that, that we can seek out help from family and friends too, that, um, that kind of hold that sense that you said of not being alone. Um, it's wonderful if we have access to therapeutic services and we are getting creative in our field now. And a lot of, um, health insurance companies are helping us with that. Um, that teletherapy can be available, um, in many rural communities now where it wasn't before. Um, I do have a lot of clients who drive quite a ways. Um, to come see me even every once in a while. And I'll uh, preach this, you know, till the sun comes up that um, I'm a therapist and I have a great therapist that nobody gets a perfect life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so at some point in our life, in all of our lives, we're going to feel like we're sort of banging our head against the wall, that everything that we've done to cope to this point has stopped working. And so I often tell, tell, tell my clients to normalize them coming in most of the clients that I see are either a super proactive and want to be prepared for when, you know, the hard Mm -hmm. stuff hits. Mm -hmm. But most of the time they come in because the things that they've been doing to cope are no longer working for them. Right. And so it's great to have someone um, in a therapeutic relationship who's really outside of your circle Mm -hmm. because um, that person then can be there just for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not always possible, but it's a great um, person to have kind of, on your court or in your court, so to speak. Um, So a lot of people will come in because something really difficult happens and they feel like they're trying to move through it and they're getting stuck moving through it and not moving through it. Um, The lens through which I look at that is that um, everything that's ever happened to us in our lives is absolutely impacting how we're functioning or moving through our life now. And that's where I think having the help of a professional can help us navigate what those things might be mm-hmm. um, so that we can sort of lay down the coping strategies or the, the tools that aren't working for us anymore so that we have the space to, to really pick up more adaptive or more positive strategies for moving forward. Right. And I think um, if I relate this to the farming community too, many times you, you are not just your family members, they're your coworkers, you're, they're your co-owners. And so even if you bring up issues that you have, I think that we're all just wired. We can tend to go back to the same old problems, the same old discussions, the same old things. So I I do think that value in finding somebody else to talk to, especially a professional, like is invaluable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, so I think there's another interesting tool out there um, and it's called the big bad internet, right? Of, um, (laughs) you know, so if you're wondering if you have, you know, anxiety or something going on that, that you can't control and and you can't just pop into a doctor tomorrow, like, um, you know, going and looking that up might even help you understand that this isn't just me, this, I'm not Mm -hmm. just alone. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And we kind of talked about that just 
understanding how our bodies are wired to react to it can be a huge peace of mind to say, okay, I'm not abnormal. I'm not alone. And this is for real. <laughs> um, it's really important. So one more piece I want to get in here um, before we're done, because we I think we could talk all day. I know. Um, but, I think we could. Um, is, you know, many times as women, um, obviously we need to take care of ourselves and we've spent this conversation talking about that, but how we can tell if others in our family maybe are struggling and if, if we're going to have to be the ones to help facilitate them get help or somehow, you know, whether that's a kid mm -hmm. or a spouse, um, what are some of those things to look for? Well, I think first and foremost, we have to be mindful that we cannot fix other people. Mm -hmm. air quotes, and it is not our job to do that for them, but we can definitely support each other better. Um, and this is not just for the farm community. It's for all of us. Right. Um, so some things to look for just generally and across the board. And remember, I always come at this from a place of life can be really hard sometimes. So, um, if someone's anxiety or depression or grief makes sense inside their circumstance, then we don't have to necessarily look at that as a diagnostic thing right. that we can know that life is hard Mm -hmm. Um, and that we are all armed. And if there's anything I've learned clinically is that people are incredibly resilient and they are, um, they get through things that are unimaginable and we all can instill that belief in ourselves and in the people that we love to like, this is really hard and we can do hard things. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you have someone that you feel like is in crisis, absolutely helping that person get help. Um, referring to mental health centers. Um, sometimes that even means an emergency room visit um, for people who are in a lot of trouble. But most of us are just going to encounter really difficult situations that need a little extra TLC, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, I guess my first piece of advice, and this is a difficult thing to talk about in our culture because we don't really like to talk about pain very much, mm -hmm. um, is really just practicing our own ability to sit with people when they're in pain. Yeah. Which is hard. It's really, it's terrible. really I want to vulnerable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we mm -hmm. all, and that yeah. is our nature, right? right? Because when we love someone, we want to make it better for them. Um, but I think it's always being mindful of that fact that we don't always need to make it better for them. That mm -hmm. most of us, when we're in pain, really just need to be seen and heard. Yes. We don't need our problem to be fixed. We can't control the tariffs and we can't control the stock market. We can't control the rain. Um, but what we can do is sit with each other in that stress or in that um, fear or in that pain. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes it's all we can do is say, I don't know what to say, but I'm, I'm here. right here. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, that goes right back to that power of community, right? Like Absolutely. You, but but knowing that you don't have to fix it for somebody else. We don't have to fix it. What most of us need is just someone to be with us in our pain. Yeah. Yeah. So um, making sure that we are available to do that for others in our life. And that kind of swings back to the whole tool belt right. and that idea that we cannot give what we do not have. And mm -hmm. so if we want to be able to sit in someone else's pain, then part of our work is to be able to sit in our own. And that can that's where the bravery pieces come right. from that Aaron was talking about, that sometimes that means um, we go in and talk to somebody about these are the things that I've been struggling with and it makes it really difficult for me to meet someone else emotionally. Um, and I want to feel free of that or more available yeah. to the people that I love and care about. Um, because the bottom line is, like I said earlier, there is not one person on the face of the planet that's going to get a perfect life. We are always, 
all going to have something that we're struggling with. So we're not alone. Mm-mm. We just, um, it's just really hard to be vulnerable enough to talk about it sometimes. Right. right. And I think that it's, it's interesting that you talk about like, um, you know, we all have these things and that um, we can get through them. Like we, most of us are equipped or all of us are probably as humans equipped to be able to get through them. And, um, you know, it's, it's just an interesting thing to think about. Cause I think part of the stigma comes from when, um, in, in mental health, the stories we hear are the really bad ones. Like right. here's suicide prevention, yes. right? Like yeah. here's this, well, of course there, there are those things, but that's the most escalated piece of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Yep. Yes. And I think to that point too, like it's okay, no matter what it is to, to seek help and to feel like you need to share and, and have support yeah. no matter what level. Yeah, absolutely. Minor I, to major. And along those lines, it's okay not to be okay. Exactly. That's okay too. Our shirts. <laughs> That's the shirt, yep. right? That's oh right. yeah. Okay. Everyone yes. be okay be to not be okay. Shirt coming out. It's okay to not be okay. <laughs> yes. I need that. Can find, sign. We got I need one a really you. big sign in front of me that says yeah. that. That we don't always, we're not made to always be happy no. and joyful. That, that yeah. those negative emotions are just as much a part of our lives too. I love it. Well, Good. Sarah, thank you so much for being here with us today on Shining Bright. Pleasure. It has been our pleasure. Everybody stick with us. We are wrapping this episode up, even though I kind of wish we weren't, because I feel like I'm, um, Aaron, you did this earlier. You you Mm -hmm. crisscrossed your arms like you're giving yourself a Mm -hmm. hug. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like I've been sitting in a hug for this last, you know. I think that's the effect of Sarah, actually. Yeah. I I want to be in her space more. Uh Uh, Mm -hmm. I think you know, in, in talking about the takeaways, right. And I hope all of you out there listening have felt that comfort, um, of talking about this a little bit and opening some of these things up. Um, but, uh, I think takeaways, right. Aaron, Aaron, what, what, what do you take away from Sarah? Well, and so I see Sarah on the regular, she's actually my therapist. So I see her, so I get to bring, I know, I know I am. It was careful, carefully sharing her with the world. Um, but you know, just, it doesn't have to be huge. It's little things that you can do every day to improve your, how you feel about yourself or how you're feeling that day. So those little bits and pieces. Um, and honestly, what I take away from her usually is what seems huge in my mind and hard to wrap around. You just bring it down and you talk about it and it just seems so much simpler and you just feel much more grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, whether that be tapping or breathing or simply, you know, I get to see her, but if you're going to talk to your, to your friends or your community, getting that out and talking about it is huge. Yeah. Huge. Mm-hmm. It, it is. I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned in my life in the last few months, but I, I heard that from her as a kind of a repeated theme that, you know, social media is great. I always, I mean, if you're in a rural area and you don't, your closest neighbor is 45 minutes away. I get mm-hmm. that, that you can't see people all the right. time. You can't be in that physical community, but that is one of the biggest pieces that I feel that we have lost in our society is that um, ability to connect, even though it's not always comfortable. Exactly. You know, we it, had mm-hmm. uh, uh, last night, my son, uh, we, we were somewhere and someone walked up to him who knows him and, and I could tell he was uncomfortable. He just didn't know what to say. He's seven, you know, and right. that's, it's tough to like know how to converse with an adult. Yeah. Uh, and so he got uncomfortable and it, he, he put his iPad up in front of his face and he just started playing it after I was like, I was like, I know it feels uncomfortable, but yeah. you have to yeah. talk to people. Yeah. 
you know, like it's, it's like a muscle. Right. It is. And and the relief in the end in these situations is the payoff's huge just to, to connect. It is huge. It is like the, the, it's huge. Like I can't even begin to tell you, like I said, with, with my experiences, but, Mm -hmm. um, it does matter. And, and I loved her tool belt, you know, yeah. that it doesn't have to be massive life no. changes. No, like I don't have to go to a beach to be able to relax. Right. I can pay attention to my watch. Yeah. I can mm-hmm. just take one deep breath when I feel like my head is going to blow off. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, I think so many of us are wired to be like, okay, all in, what are we going to do? And there are so many just little things. I mean, like she said, don't breathe every time it, it dings you, or, you know, right. maybe it's three times a day, or maybe it's once every day. Whatever it is, it still helps. Yeah. Um, so not to yeah. dismiss any any efforts that you, you right. make. Don't shame yourself. Right, right. Really and important. I um that's another thing I think, you know, we we all think, well, I should be doing this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. But if you just pull one little piece out and it makes right. you feel better for that one minute, yep. That's a win. That is a win. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, any other takeaways from our conversation with Sarah? Um I think, you know, the tapping was another one yeah. for, for me. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of that, but I do rock you a too. lot. Tapping is <laughs> tapping's a great tool for kids too. I mean, it's awesome for adults, but sometimes, I mean, that, like I said, I, that is. Because kids can do it in class yeah, if they, they need to. Yeah, they can do it or, anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I, I, yeah. I expect a lot from my kids all of the time. Uh-huh. And, and I tend to forget like all of the pressures that they're right. under everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't have constant stimulus when I was a kid. I didn't oh have gosh. the schedules that they have. I mean, my parents would have been like, absolutely not anyway, you know, but right. it's just a different life. So different. So many times mm-hmm. that, that we have. And um, so I like that yeah. giving them yeah. some way to re- almost release that energy and yes. turn it into positive yep. energy. Cause I think um, as mothers, I, I have heard this before. I, I hear stories. I, I meet people. I see people who are struggling with one thing or another. Right. And, and we are all in that space at some time or another. But mm-hmm. um, w- when wanting to provide our kids with tools, it's not fixing the problem. It's it's, it's tools. giving them the tools because you can't fix. That is one thing yeah. that definitely took from her. You know, you can't can't fix it for everybody. Yeah. As much as they want to. I know. Like that's, that's a big thing for that's me. It's a hard to, thing to mm-hmm. wrap my head around, yep. but an important one. And I do get it. Yes. It's just, uh, yeah. You know. Uh, so wrapping this up, we do realize that everybody's situation is different and, um, we're, we're very mindful of that. I want to, uh, remind all of you that if you do need help, the national suicide prevention lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. So with that, I hope you all enjoyed today's episode and be well.